This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only two-time PWG Battle of Los Angeles champion, King Ricochet, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 185. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And Nick, today we are doing our recap of this weekend's Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, WWE well, they call it, it's not a pay-per-view anymore, Nick. Now it's a special event. It's an event, a Special yes. broadcast. Yes. So that happened this weekend, and we need to discuss that on this particular recap episode, Nick. Uh, and it was, um, it wasn't bad. I, I, I thought it, it eh. over-delivered from what I expected, but maybe because I expected so little because the card seemed a little thin. We didn't have any of the major titles defended. Uh, the only titles that were defended were tag titles on this show. It was very odd. And no real, like, major reason for any tables, ladders, or chairs matches. It was just kind of like, ah, screw it. You can use tables, ladders, and chairs because it's a pay-per-view called tables, ladders, and chairs. So you might as well use them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're going to go over this whole pay-per-view. But first, we're going to do some housekeeping, and then we'll get into it. Yes, guys, as always, come join us over on Facebook in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. Just head over to Facebook.com, search for Busted Wide Open, throw a like on the page, and send us a join request so that you can get into our discussion group with the rest of the phenomenal ones. You'll also mm. find some pin posts there. Pin posts? Pin posts for our Discord server where you can get in for live chats. Not only for all of the shows all throughout the week across all promotions, but dedicated live chat channels during the shows for pay-per-views, such as TLC that we're going to be going over today. Uh, so make sure you're in the uh, not only the uh, Facebook discussion group, but the Discord community as well. Lots of good times happening on both places. Uh, you can also find us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast, streaming live right here on YouTube every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. We're on that race to 1,000 subscribers, guys, so any help you can give us, we much appreciate. Make sure you slam that subscription bell. Throw a like onto any videos that you watch and enjoy and make sure you jingle that little notification bell so you get notified anytime we go live or put up new videos last but certainly not least thank you to all of our patrons for every all of your contributions every single month uh you are the fuel that keeps this machine running and we love you for it 
Uh, thank you very much for all of your contributions. And if you want to get in on some of that, head over to patreon.com slash BWO where you can find access to exclusive perks like the ability to get a copy of our show notes that Surrey and Dangerous and I use for every show. Uh, they send in listener questions for our new patron mailbag series that's going gangbusters, and we love doing it. A dedicated AMA mailbag type of show where patrons can send in their questions and you guys get to hear uh, what we think about some really fun questions. Anything is on the cards. You can ask us about anything. We do that once a week every Saturday yeah. afternoon, but you got to be in the $5 tier at patreon.com slash BWO to send in your questions. Uh, Ian, I have to say, I'm going to disagree with you. There were a lot of things that were wrong with this pay-per-view that m- a lot of times I try to say skeptically optimistic. You know that. but And a lot of times I will look at things and say the good outweighed the bad. Yes. Not this time. <laughs> not this time well let's get into it and talk about what was good and what was bad about tables ladders and chairs well the first bad thing we're going to call out is the fact that they put Humberto Carrillo versus Andrade on the goddamn pre-show and you won't hear me throw language around like that every now and then but god damn it you put these two on the pre-show yeah Oh. What, where would the, what would what would you have traded this with on the main show? Alistair and Buddy Murphy. No, you would have put Alistair Black and Buddy. Yep. You would have just been. You would have just been like, "Why did you put Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy on the pre-show?" Burr, burr, gurr, I no. expected that one to be on the pre-show because it has absolutely no story behind it other than the fact that uh, 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 Buddy Murphy knocked on his door randomly for some reason. It's got more story than Carrillo and, and Andrade at this point, I which is know. basically just. Look what's they have, developing they, between Zelina and Andrade. You've got all kinds of stuff going on. I, I think there's a lot more stuff going on with uh, that. I would say it's a skeleton It's a skeleton story either way. And frankly, I thought that Black and Murphy delivered as a main, like a main pay-per-view match more than this one, which felt like a pre-show match to get everyone hyped. Carrillo picked up the win, babyface winning on the pre-show. I thought this was right where it should be, especially considering that we're kind of in the middle of this feud, whereas Black and Murphy, they've been building for a while, have not let them get their hands on each other. So once that happened, it was more of an event that they actually got got physical, whereas this we've seen before, and sure enough, we saw again uh, on Raw later, but we'll get into that when we do our Raw recap, which is coming after the show. Yeah. Stick around. Um, but this is the thing. So this, the big story about this match was at the end, Seemed to be some sort of miscommunication between Zelina Vega and Andrade, where she got up on the on the ring apron and distracted him, and he ended up eating the pin. Uh, his eye was all bloody and swollen. He took a, a, a odd knee. Don't know what got him. Maybe it was an elbow. But uh, yeah, I it was a good match. It was a great pre-show match. But I thought it was right where it should be because it really had no ramifications to anything other than their little feud that they're having right now. Hindsight 2020, um, so. it was a complete rehash of their match on Raw last week. Right. So I was really upset that they got stuck on the pre-show. But looking back on it, I'm not as mad as I was when I, when I saw that they were coming out to do the pre-show. Right. At the time, you were like, how dare they? In hindsight, you're like, oh, they, right. That was yeah, the exact same match they just had on Raw five days ago. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. It, so, it is I, what it is. You know. So you, you started off. Saying you were so mad about it, and yeah. now you agree this would this should have been the pre-show. They should this this caliber of match and this caliber of performers shouldn't even come close to the pre-show. And I'll say the exact same thing about Buddy Murphy and Alistair Black. There were plenty of other things you could have done on the pre-show that weren't those four guys putting on like the what? caliber of matches that they did. 
Like, I don't know. Have no way Jose come bring the conga line out and hype the crowd up, you know? But then but then you, you extend the whole pay-per-view by having Carrillo and Andrade on the main show? What, for 10 minutes? Sure. I'm just oh, saying. I'm that's, sorry. That's... Let's, uh, we'll talk. We had to spend so much time brawling backstage. Let, let's spend the time there, not wrestling. All right. All right. We'll, we'll get we'll, to we'll, that we'll get, shit. We'll get to that. Let's, let's start. Uh, <laughs> so Carrillo and Andrade on the pre-show. Uh, it was a good match, but it was just kind of there. Yeah. The main show started with the New Day versus the Revival mm, in a Mwah. ladder match. Mwah. Yes, New Day and Revival. Let them fight. Let them have a ladder match anytime. I'm fine with it. You got to give like, me a Ken Watanabe when you're going to do that. Let them fight. Yes, there you go. Uh, this was, I thought, a great way to start the show. I was surprised. I thought they were going to start with the women's TLC match. It was teased uh, that I was, they were. Charlie? in the pre-show yeah, used right? the phrase we're going to kick it off tonight with and I went oh god so mm-hmm. uh, that was a big surprise for me but I am not mad at this you talk about Carrillo and Andrade getting the crowd hyped up with a baby face win there uh uh-uh. uh this did yeah and you know they tried their best to get the crowd hyped up that crowd still loving the Kofi Kofi mania oh, still yeah. somehow like an undead zombie rising from the grave after Vince McMahon tries to kill it time and time again. He still hasn't given it that headshot. He, Kofi is still left. I don't think he wants to, to be clear. I'm, I'm, I think that they like Kofi where he is now that, now that Kofi knows his place. You know, we, we've established that uh, he is going to be down in the tag division, mm. and that's, that's where Vince wants him to be. God, if they would turn Big E on him now that we know oh, Woods is probably out. Oh, my Man, God. Man, we're barely five minutes in the show, ten minutes in the show. You already got to bring the Nick booking into this. I'm just leave it alone. You all know I'm right. <laughs> They're not going to do that nuclear until until uh, they need another couple tag teams on SmackDown or Xavier's got to get better sure. or something. Sure. They're going to want that last. It's, yeah, just calm down with that. Uh, but again, we we both thought we both uh, I well actually I'm looking at this. I thought the New Day wasn't dropping the titles again this soon. They're not going to ping pong the titles around. They did not. The New Day did pick up the win here. Um, a bunch of just absolutely insane spots in this match. Of course, you know, at some point they're getting all the ladders and they're putting them together, they're leaning them together, and they're sticking them together. And those are all these places for people to fall and do all kinds of crazy stunts. Uh, Kofi ends up like trapped, hanging from a ladder backwards, and sits up and smashes uh, Scott Dawson in the face. Right as Dawson's about to grab the titles, Dawson goes down. Kofi grabs the titles. New Day retains. Why did you think the revival should get the titles back this quickly, Nick? Uh, 50-50 booking, let's let's swap it around, you know, all that stuff. Uh, mostly they don't give a shit about anything when it comes to the tag teams. Uh, I think it gives you an opportunity also. They're about the only two tag teams besides Heavy Machinery going over on SmackDown right now. You've got some interesting feuds developing up on Raw, but as far as SmackDown goes, this this is about it. This, this is the two they've yeah. picked. So, well, we were saying how kind of thin the SmackDown tag division was when they yeah. made the draft. Like we were like, they need another team or two, and it's not like NXT has any more teams to give. No. Um, so they're in a bit of an interesting pickle right now with the tag division, and I'm not sure where they go from here. Uh, who day? Who New Day's next challengers will be? Um, maybe Nakamura and Cesaro if they get the belt off of Nakamura, which they're threatening to do. Put it on Braun. Um, maybe you know Nakamura and. Sami Zayn and Cesaro. Rusev wasn't bad enough. We got to do Nakamura and and Cesaro now. Yes, because we don't know what to do with Nakamura or Cesaro. Right. Or Rusev for that matter. Bottom or or, yeah. (laughs) 
But anyway, so yeah, so you picked Revival on this. I picked the New Day. New Day did retain. We will see what happens to them going forward. Uh, Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy was next. I thought this was right where it should be. Um, I have to admit, like in hindsight, I thought the way they they laid out this show was really well done. Like where they put every match was right where it should be. Um, Even though I, I had booked it differently in my head. But, uh, yeah, so Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy was next. A very different match. Instead of a bunch of high spots and big moments and crazy stuff, it's just two guys in a ring beating the crap out of each other and two guys who can strike. So lots of knee strikes, lots of backhands, lots of kicks. Yeah. Um, Buddy Murphy getting the early advantage on Alistair Black. The commentary desk, for some reason, insisting on sticking to the script and saying that Alistair's jaw was busted when his nose was obviously broken and was bleeding everywhere. It's on his upper um, lip. How's it? What's yeah. that got to do with his jaw? <laughs> <laughs> Joe's sitting there screaming at them like, it's obviously his nose is broken. Right. Uh, can no one else see this? Uh, but, but yeah, so this was an interesting match because while watching it, I kept thinking, go faster, guys, go faster get a little bit more uh, adrenaline in this match. And they ultimately did get a, a couple of good sequences that woke the crowd up. But this was definitely a crowd that wanted to be adrenalized a bit more, especially after that first match. Slowing it down this much, I think, hurt this match in the perception of the crowd and yeah. therefore in how it played on TV. Um, I'd be curious to know if anyone was there live, what the perception was live of this match, because I felt like from a technical standpoint, it was quite a good match. It fell apart a little bit right after Alistair, uh, had his nose injury because it seemed like he was a little bit out of it. Understandably, dude just had his nose, nose popped, but, uh, I felt like they could have ramped it up a little bit more and gotten a little more juice out of this crowd but that might not have been what they wanted to do because of where they were in the show and the fact that this show is definitely structured to give you a real smorgasbord of different kinds of wrestling. Yeah, it was. So did you did you feel like this match was what it should have been or did you want more as well? I definitely want more, but I'm okay with the fact... I mean, they're already talking about the next match, the next match, and you know, confrontations backstage. We're going to see more of this develop in the coming weeks. Um, so, you know, spoiler alert, they did tape uh, double Raws uh, last well, night. Well, don't, don't, yeah, well, don't tell what happens I'm not going to go there, but, I, you know, the, this is going to go on. And, and knowing that, I'm okay with that, the fact that we only got like a 10% of what these guys are, the speed yes. that they can operate at. Because if those guys get going with the crazy running off the ropes, knees and flips, we didn't get a Murphy's Law, we didn't get... You know, anything that is Alistair going to be the one that kicks out of a Murphy's Law, I could see that happening. Um, it's it's one of the more protected moves in WWE right now, finishers. So, I don't know. I think this has legs. I, I want to go on this ride. I, I want to stand in line for this ride. And yeah. oh, I think sure. I only got a little tease of it, a little commercial during uh, TLC last night, Sunday night. Well said, and I think that that's actually something that I want to point out is that they gave us different matches for different crowds for this whole thing. There were some matches that were for this crowd, some matches that were for this crowd. This was definitely like a hardcore fan match, Yeah. but they also didn't give us everything that we wanted here because they wanted to whet our appetite for more down the road. They've done this in NXT recently with, I think, what it was, Finn and um, 
uh, Champa. They gave us like about a sixty percent of what they can give us, and uh, some people were pissed about that. And it's like, just wait for the future, man. Like they they they're saving it for pay per view, or for another meeting down the road. So, yeah, we both saw Black picking this one up. It made sense, and he did with a a black mass out of nowhere to Buddy Murphy. Beautiful black mass. Buddy right. Murphy Colts, of course, sold it fantastically. So hopefully backstage they saw what we saw. Two guys who were not giving it their all because they wanted to save it for later, but did a fantastic job with what they were what they what, what they were told to do here. Absolutely. The next match, Viking Raiders had an open challenge. I thought it was they were just gonna not keep it in their pants and AOP was going to come out and challenge and take it. That is not at all what happened. Uh, this was worse. WWE, what? Okay. Wh- this was worse I'm, I'm look- than that. I'm looking forward to hearing why you would say that. Right, because you, do, you do your thing, and then I'll chime in. I, let me intro this because yeah. I'm, I'm shocked by your reaction there. Uh, this, this was, I thought, uh, going to be a bunch of uh, a show where WWE couldn't keep it in their pants. It's something that we've said a lot lately where WWE's like, we have this pretty toy. Let's get it out there as quickly as possible. And very rarely, just in general in WWE history, do they hold on to things and let them simmer and let them build or you know, take their time with things. And so I figured with this, like to, to get us hype at the end of the year, they would say, hey, look at all these things we're starting up. Okay, well, we'll see you next year when we're going to start all this. Um, nope, nope. The people that answered, the, two, the team that answered the Viking Raiders call was the OC. The only team, and they said this, they made the point of saying this, the only team to have a pinfall victory over the Viking Raiders on the main roster and the best tag team in the world uh, with the trophy to prove it. So out comes the OC. We have a fantastic, I thought a very good tag match, you know, between these two really good teams with a whole bunch of uh, what looked like plants Side, the side of the ring. I mean, like human plants, like not like actual like you right, know, like Dean Ambrose Ficus. plants. Yeah, no, no, no Mitch yeah. the plant, nothing like no that. No Mitch yeah. the plant, like yeah. fo- like four remarkably attractive quote unquote fans that quote unquote won a contest to quote unquote eat KFC ringside with a conspicuously uh, laid out table, which came in, in to play in the finish of this match. Sure, um, Nick, this match ended in a countout, much to the chagrin of the audience. The audience was not happy with the fact. That this, these teams got counted out, big boos, and even a power bomb through the KFC table from the uh, Viking Raiders to the OC did not really appease the audience, even though they were feeling a little bit better about it. Um, so I guess two questions I have for you. One, why are you, of all people who love the Good Brothers, why are you mad they're coming out against your boys' war machine? Uh, excuse me, Viking Raiders. I'm sorry, I'm just old habits. And why are you mad? Like what? Like they didn't even lose here; they just got counted out. Like they looked strong against the Viking Raiders. What? What beef do you have here? Oh, I got beef. Oh, okay. what? <clears throat> you have on your hands two of the best tag teams ever: Big LG and Machine Gun Carl Anderson versus War Machine. Are you kidding me? And you're gonna stick them in a friggin' KFC commercial? And then it give was, them a give them a hang on. You had your you're gonna give them a double count out when there were people out of the ring much more than later in the show. You're gonna give them a double count, and you're gonna do this in some sort of half-ass comedy gimmick where you're gonna power bomb somebody 
through a KFC table where you've got these fans. There were people in the live chat. I think Marshall was the one that he got up and left in the middle of the match to go get some KFC. So I guess it worked. It works. It works. But my point is, is like with these, two, bring Brazongo back and have them do a KFC commercial tables match if you want to. Not War Machine and Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Oh, that's my this beef is with a, this. This is a wrestling. This thing is my right wrestling. Here. This is a wrestling thing. You keep your commercials away from my boys. I want serious tag team action. Hashtag. You're damn right. How, how, I've been saying serious see. tag team action since day one of this so, show three years ago. But I said the OC came out, and I thought that was a great. I thought that was a good choice. Like I, I was. I picked AOP because I was being a, a, a negative ninny, and saying, "Oh, WWE, they're going to make the wrong choice." I thought the OC was the right choice. I didn't pick it because I was being negative. I thought the OC was the right choice. I said they came out, and you said, "Yeah, that's terrible." Why are you mad? Like, take the whole KFC thing out of the equation. Get used to it. It's WWE. There's going to be commercials. There was a Cracker Barrel that people went through over at AEW. All right, it happens. Commercials happen in the middle of the stuff. Yeah, but why were you mad that OC was the team that came out? Because I want them to be legit. I don't want them to be. They had a tag team title match against the Viking Raiders. How not legit is that? Just because there's a KFC table ringside? Does that make it not legit? Uh, no, because nobody was going to win that the minute it became a KFC commercial. So you said leave all of that out of it? Sure. Do we have a great setup now between two of my all-time favorite tag teams in yes. Anderson and Gallows versus War Machine? Absolutely. And from what we know now, it's going to continue, and that's fantastic. Yeah, right. Let that's that why they run. Had to, that's why they had the count out, though, so it, was, it could continue. It could, it, I can't even speak. This got me worked up. That was not you, why. That's not how it was perceived, though. That's not how it was received. In, if you're going to powerbomb somebody in a TLC match through a, a, a table draped in KFC. After the I, match is over as a way to appease the crowd who were mad at the, at the count out win. All right. We're going to agree to disagree a, on this one. This was a, it was a trick they used again later in the show where they said, hey, look at the shiny thing over here. Don't be mad at this thing that we booked because we had to book it this way. We had to book this match this way. We didn't want OC to lose because we need one this to continue. We couldn't have Viking Raiders win. We couldn't have Viking Raiders lose because it's a title match. So count out. But hey, shiny people going through KFC tables. Yeah. This came back later in the show. We'll get back to this. I, yeah. I, this was, I thought... I thought it was a smart way to kind of like, you know, sleight of hand the ending of this match. I wasn't mad about any of this. I am actually kind of, I am, I am still flabbergasted. Flabbergasted. The match they had on Raw is that, what they should have done at TLC. I'm just saying. Uh, okay. All right. Just saying. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiled, spoiled brat. But uh, hey, somehow I won because the Viking Raiders still are the champions. I, or I got that. That's true. Right. You got well. You did. You got a couple of picks. I I said that they were going to lose the titles to AOP. So I was just seven sorts of wrong in this match, and it cost me dearly. King Corbin versus Roman Reigns in a tables, ladders, and chairs match was next. Uh, they should have just called this tables, ladders, chairs, and the kitchen sink because they everything happened in this match. They were going all over the arena. They were up on the stage. There was tables, ladders, and chairs. There was. Outside interference galore. There's dog food, handcuffs. There was dog dog food and handcuffs. Corbin called out, uh, like, to say a literal army, it's not a literal army, but it's about as close as you can get without being literal to him calling out an army. He had 
a, at least a dozen security guys running down the ramp at Roman Reigns at one point who just hit them all, teed off on them with, with a kendo stick because none of these guys have ever heard about, uh, you know, they're all like, they're cannon fodder. Uh, the Revival came out to help him. Dolph Ziggler came out to help him. It took all of these guys after a 25-minute match, give or take, to finally put down Roman Reigns. Um, so two things here, Nick. One, was this match exciting to you? And two, what did you think about the finish of Roman Reigns eating a pin after an end of days on a chair after being beaten down by everyone under the sun with the story being Roman doesn't have any friends anymore. Uh, he's all alone against Corbin and the King's army. I'm going to work backwards on your questions. One, yes, I, I, I'm okay with the way that it ended. I think it shows that a couple of things. Roman's vulnerable. He's fallible. He's not a Superman, right? <laughs> it took everybody to put him down. Exactly, right? It took everybody. <laughs> it, it, it took all of that, even in, you know, he's not Sephiroth. He's not, you know, he's just, he's just Roman. Two, dear WWE. Roman Reigns is not a dog. How dare you, sir? He he is not a dog. How dare you? He he does, he does not walk on, on. He is not a quadruped. He. <laughs> but Nick, he's unchained. He's off the he, leash. He he's not a dog. I his like bite puns. is worse than his bark. I understand puns and cliches, and I enjoy them. Roman Reigns is not a fucking dog. Excuse me. Uh, let's end <laughs> the dog food thing. We have to stop. Michael Cole just has to stop. The He's going to have a seizure saying the big dog one of these days, and it's unfortunate. When Roman Reigns says no, he doesn't say no. He says it in German. He says, K9. <laughs> he's the big dog. <laughs> the last thing I want to say about this is I do like how they are building a sort of army around Baron Corbin and elevating him as the king. And I They're say giving that, him a lot more power, yes. I want, him, I want him being king to mean something. Otherwise, I don't give a shit. And I mean, this, this whole thing that transpired at TLC, I think was kind of the nail that I needed to see that he can command this army of minions to, to do his bidding king style, right? It's a, it's a better look than him doing it all on his own or with right. just Dolph Ziggler or with just him and Ziggler and Rude. Like, having a bunch of dudes on his side or even, like, what, as we found out later, was more kind of a locker room split. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get to that because this didn't really end here. Yes, Roman Reigns went down at the end of this match. Shockingly, you and I both picked Roman to win because, lol, Roman wins. Duh. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, this, this went on later. Um... Yeah. The fact that they protected an end of days chair shot like that uh, tells me a lot. And I, I'm expect with Roman Reigns of all people. End of days has not been kicked out of on the main roster and was right. only kicked out of an NXT before he became Lone Wolf Baron Corbin. Yeah. Uh, before his push started. So it's it's one of the most protected moves. So it doesn't surprise me at all. Um but yeah, unfortunately, at the end of this match, you and I called Roman Reigns and instead Baron Corbin took him to the pound. Oh, Nick, oh. but it did. I was end very there. happy with how this finished. For for the record, I, I I we called Roman, yes, because obvious reasons. But I'm very happy with the outcome of this. Let's just stop. Yeah. with the dog food. It's just it's nope. That's too far. 
Well, I don't know. I think that they have there. There's more to that tale, but at the same time, um, we got to move on to the next part because well, I want to get back to this because it does come back later in the show. Yeah, Bray Wyatt versus The Miz. This is the one I really wanted to talk about the most on this show because not only is it controversial, but I definitely have a very strong opinion of this. Okay. Um, and I was really intrigued by it, but also like frustrated. So, Bray Wyatt. As Funhouse Bray came out in the one of the weirdest like champion entrances I've ever seen. By the way, your champion is coming out to a children's tune with like you know children's graphics. He's smiling. He's happy. He's just completely playing to the crowd. Like hi everybody, a childlike grin, waving and everything. Miz had come out before him. Was in the ring, glowering, very very serious. Babyface Miz, you have messed with my family. Bray Wyatt, he cut a really like strident promo backstage earlier. Like, this man has freaked me out. He's gotten under my skin. He's threatened my family. Um, I liked how Miz played his part in this, especially once we got into the match, and it was just all about Miz. There was no nothing fancy. But Bray Wyatt, very interesting. The, the first time we've seen him come out as Funhouse Bray, not as Fiend Bray. And totally different vibe. Fascinating to watch him play to the crowd so much. And then once the match starts, to like try to be all friendly with Miz, like, hey Miz, how you ah, why are you mad at me? Ah, ah, and get like and this whole match was built where Bray did not get a single lick of offense in on Miz. And yet the more Miz hit him and the more Miz beat him up, the more Wyatt started to laugh at being hit until finally he went to a bit of a dark place. And uh, outside the ring, gave Miz a draping sister Abigail onto the floor. And then once Miz eventually barely beat the count to get back in the ring, gave him another sister Abigail in the ring for the one, two, three. Um, and I'm going to stop there because more happened. About, I would say, equal happened after the match has happened in it. But what did you think about how we've now seen Firefly Wyatt portrayed in the ring? Do you feel like he and the fiend are less of two separate characters now. Like what, what did you think about how he presented the firefly Funhouse Bray as, as a wrestler, as a wrestling figure? This from entrance to the end of the segment, not hyperbole, not exaggerating was one of the most fun things I've seen in professional wrestling all year. Wow. You definitely like, cause there's a lot of people that hated this. No, it's deep. Like you gotta, like if, you, if you're just looking at it on the surface, and it's some goofy guy with dreadlocks running around going, "Hey guys," <laughs> and he's just goofing around like that, yeah, you're gonna hate it. But if you've been along for the ride the whole time, going all the way back to the time that he used that giant mallet to smash Ramblin' Rabbit into jelly, and then bottled it for selling it, right? If you're it, all of those little facets, this is one of the most brilliant pieces of character work I've seen in wrestling as in as long as I can remember. Well, and the fact yeah. that we've got the juxtaposition, we've now seen uh, with so after you mentioned after Bray uh, pinned Miz, mm. which will, is questionable. We'll get back to that. Um, the fiend appears on the Tron, and I he just stares at him. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you, you can, and he's responding to him as if he's subliminally talking to him, right? And I'm just going, "Oh, keep going! Yes, this is, <laughs> this is it! Yes!" And I wanted, I was hoping there was a double. Maybe Bo Dallas dresses up as the other one. Oh, for fuck! It doesn't have to be Bo Dallas, 
but somebody if there's another person that comes out as they get, right. as some fi- like we identify that they're two separate entities the the thing that stood out to me the most other than the entrance and it was amazing i will absolutely say that him doing the entrance that he did was absolutely amazing the she thing popped that, in the crowd right and left yeah oh, and just going out just smiling like just i'm so happy to be here yeah What's happening right now? What is this? T- I don't even know what this is, but it looks cool. Hi, yeah, guys. Yeah. Oh, hi, Miz. And Miz is just. Anyway, the thing that stood out to me the most were were the moments of evil that that creeped through. That would bloop, just come up and just mm, he'd look straight into the camera and just you see that. Oh my god! And then the fiend ends up on the Tron later, and just all of those moving parts, man, is mm, brilliant. Mm. And it's I just, funny. we don't get that in wrestling anymore. I don't think they should have the fiend be a separate person. And I don't I don't think that he's presenting the fiend as a separate person. I think that the fiend being on the Tron may have been a metaphorical projection or whatever you want to call it. Sure. Like I personally don't think we should think that deeply into it because at a certain point, it's wrestling. It's this is a B movie. Like this is not we're not looking at Lawrence of Arabia here. Um, at the same time. I agree with you. As far as a wrestling gimmick is concerned or as wrestling storyline is, is concerned, this is wildly entertaining. It's fascinating. I like what they're, what they're doing with this and with the as far as the Wyatt character is concerned what they're doing here. Um, I think they established in this match that he is just one guy. He was Bray Wyatt, the cult leader before. We're not going to get into like too many of the de- – like, he's intentionally not getting into too many of the details of who he was then versus who he is now. He's want, he wants you to generally know that he was that guy. Now he's this guy, and this guy has figured out a way to feel no pain. And that translates that, that transfers between Bray Wyatt, the, ta- the, the children's show host, and Bray Wyatt, the evil demon fiend thing. Yeah, That's something they both have. The fiend just is out to kill people, and Fun, Funhouse Bray isn't, but he will if he has to. He'll go to that dark place because he is the fiend. It's just a matter of how far he goes across. Whatever it is. That was all presented. There's a lots of little details that were dropped through the entire thing to give you hints to that. And that was something I have not seen in a WWE ring in a long time. And I feel like they tried to do that with a couple of the other Fiend matches, for example, but they ham- hamstrung themselves. One of the reasons I was so mad at the, at the uh, Hell in a Cell match was because I, was, I, I thought they had an easy home run and they biffed it uh, with that ending, with the finish of that match. Was like, yeah. why would you take something that you were nailing and screwed up? Here, I felt like they landed the plane up to a point. Um, I personally, were I to write this, and I, I don't, but hashtag my wrestling, hashtag Ian booking, fine, whatever you want to call it. I would not have had the Miz lose here. But then again, I don't know what their plan is going forward with Miz and the Fiend. And the other person who got involved with this, because after the match, Bray went under the ring to get something, and he came out. The Fiend was giving him the, the signal to go get something, and he went and got that giant funhouse mallet, and he went to hit Miz, but before he could do that, the lights went out, and a hooded guy, a guy in a, a red hooded sweatshirt was in the ring, took out Bray, stood up, pulled off his hood, and sure enough, it was a newly shorn Daniel Bryan, Beard the American Dragon hair. is back. Beard and hair, very nicely quaffed by the fiend when he drug him down to the bottom of the ring last week. 
Yeah, he went to the same uh, barber as Orange Cassidy, apparently. Uh, he went to the, he's a clone now, apparently. Uh, but, yeah, so it, Daniel Bryan came back, uh, beat the crap out of Bray Wyatt, chased him out of the ring, gave him a whole bunch of yes kicks, uh, got up and, and, you know, told the crowd yes, 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 and ran out triumphantly. Uh, although I thought that he, at the one point he was about to slam Bray with the mallet. Lights went out again. Bray wasn't there. Um, when the lights came back on, I felt like this whole part of the segment got a little bit awkward. Yeah. Once Daniel Bryan came out, I felt like this was not handled terribly well. I felt like it was a, a bit haphazard, a little awkward. It turned into dramatic. yes chance. All of us like, wait, wait, wait. What would you? How? Yeah. The reveal was fine. I think we all knew it was coming, and that's it's fine. It is what it is. But somehow, somewhere along the way, like it didn't connect the way I think that they wanted it to. Yeah, uh, it was a good attempt. I'm not going to come down too hard on it, but it didn't quite stick the landing as much as I wanted it to. Um, but that being said, most of the problems I have with all of this were quibbles because at the very end of the day. I'm getting a really interesting story that I'm intrigued where it's going, and there's a lot of new elements that I don't normally see in WWE or in wrestling in general. Yeah. So in that sense, I cannot complain about this. I won't let myself complain about this because I'm getting what I'm kind of always asking for, yeah. which is an interesting storyline. And the fact that it wasn't a great technical wrestling match, it was essentially just Miz beating up Bray Wyatt for 10 minutes and then getting you know double sister Abigail and, and counted down... Um, to me, that's beside the point. This wasn't meant to be a wrestling match. This was meant to be a story with some fighting in it. And if you want wrestling, you have a ton of other matches on this card where you get that. And you shouldn't have expected it from every single match. Like I said, you had a smorgasbord on the show. You had a cool. tag match. You had a couple tag. You had a tag ladder match. You had a strike fest. And you had a match that was a grudge storytelling match like this one here where it wasn't about the technical... Uh, wrestling itself, it was about the story being told between Miz, Daniel Bryan, and Bray Wyatt. Just uh, for anybody that watched TLC, and even if you didn't, give this uh, a second watch or even a third watch and really just pay attention to Bray's character work. Forget all the stuff that's going around it. We understand that Miz is pretty one-sided in this. He he, he attacked his family, right? He went after he's, his He's family. playing, yeah, he's like, he's a, he's a bit but, part. He's a secondary. watch Bray react. What, mm. React is the key word there. Watch what, how he reacts when you hear that horn and the lights start to go down. He gets excited that the fiend is coming, right? Or he gets a little scared or starts running away, but it, it's, it excites him in one way or another. This has so much legs. It has so much left to go. We still haven't seen anybody use that mallet. What happens when the, we've seen it, other than Bray Funhouse Bray using it to smash Ramblin' Rabbit, that's all we've seen of it. What happens uh, when you get hit by the mallet? Uh, right. Stuff like that is what I... How much more can this go? Do we end but up again, having the Fiend and Bray in the ring at the same time somehow? Does does the Fiend come out and I know you one day that. somehow his mask gets taken off and it reveals that it's just Funhouse? There's so much more that they can do here. And I, am, and I agree with you. The Daniel Bryan reveal thing at the end completely took it off the rails. And they should have saved that for a Raw. I don't, mm. I, I don't think it was a big enough deal, it, or it didn't turn out. It, it unhinged what they had been building for that last 10 to 15 minutes. I didn't think it was a bad idea. I just thought that the actual execution of it was a little off. Like, why is Daniel Bryan's, like, you know, he pulled his hair out, but yet his, he's nicely coiffed now. Like, it's, it's nicely shaved. Um, 
how did he escape the fiend? Like he just kind of miraculously showed up. How is he? How is Daniel Bryan affecting the lights? Like all of that. Yeah. It's um, there was a bunch of it where I was left with. I, I felt like they just kind of like ah, it's fine. Don't don't worry about that aspect of it. You know, the fans will just figure out how it happened on their own, or we'll just let it slide. And I'm not gonna let it slide. I thought it was sloppy, but um, again, I don't want to see a lot of these elements done yet because I want them to keep it in their pants. Slow play this. Let this play out the way it should. Um, and I think that's, that it's been hit or miss so far with, with Bray Wyatt and The Fiend. And right now, I feel like they're on a better track with it where it's letting the story, the, the character is informing the story and not the other way around. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, so I, I, this, was my, this was my, some of my favorite stuff in TLC so far was this stuff because I'm just fascinated by the storyline and I'm fascinated by what Bray Wyatt is doing with this character. And also, I'm pretty psyched that Daniel Bryan's back to like, uh, you know, to, like, he looks the same as he did 10 years ago. Yeah. He's finishing the decade looking the exact same. So, yep. so very cool. Unfortunately, Nick, we both thought Miz was going to win that one. And unfortunately, we have to go talk about the next match, which was a tables match between Bobby Lashley and Rusev. Um is there that much we need to say about this? Two guys beat each other up. Uh, Rusev got put through a guardrail at one point. Lano screamed a lot, and eventually Bobby Lashley botched a spear, wasn't able to put Rusev through one table, so he, by the way, good play call on his part, just turned around and suplexed him through another table. Yeah, that was brilliant. Good good um, call for gut shot hip from the, from the hip there. Yeah. Do we need to talk about this beyond that? <laughs> <laughs> like Not I really, really have nothing. I, I mean, I have nothing else to say about this. I, I just nothing happened. Yeah, Rusev lost. Rusev lost. Lashley's now, I guess, has the higher ground in this feud. Uh, I, I guess would be the best way to put it. And I just, I, I cannot find the energy to care. This was the low point of the show for me. Which, yep. again, as smart, smart booking. For the show, they put it in the the piss spot after the uh, the intense story match and before the the main event. So I thought it was right where it should be. Yep. But uh, unfortunately, you thought Rusev was taking this. I, the fatalist, as I said, I was feeling like a negative Nancy, and I thought that the worst things were going to happen. WWE is going to follow its worst instincts and say, "Yep, Bobby Lashley needs, needs to win this one so this feud can continue." And sure enough, Bobby Lashley won, so that the feud. Could continue, Nick. So we're tied going into the main event. Is that? Am I reading? Am I adding? Is my math working here? My Steiner math your working. Math, right? Your math, sadly, is correct. It all comes down to this. <laughs> it all came down to the main event. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the yeah. Kabuki Warriors versus Becky and Charlotte. Right off the bat, uh, you beat me just by the by the fact this was the main event because I said that Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin was going to be the main event. But no, they were busy brawling backstage, which we were shown before this match started. Uh, so you already won because you got the plus one, and I got the minus one on this being the main event. Uh, but in addition, you called the winner of this match because after about a 25-minute just uh, insane... I, I don't even know where to begin with this because it was a ton of stuff happening. You had Becky tied down to a ladder at one point. Uh, pretty like some black and white cartoon where she, yeah. somebody gets tied to the railroad tracks. Yeah, right. 
I, and and legitimately, not like not like Tully Blanchard on the chair on AEW last week, where he, it, I mean, come on, it was the uh, worst. Kyrie can tie some pirate knots. Uh, she's she's been a, to sailing school. She she's a world renowned <laughs> sailor. Like she right. legit can tie knots. Becky Yo-ho-ho-ho-ho. was. I mean, I'm Sorry. sure Becky had like a way out of it, but it was still like she was. Those knots were legit. Um, I think there's you know so there's a lot of stuff we could talk about this match. All the chaos that they got into. Very little of it was actually in the ring. Uh, lots of madness on the outside. And, of course, tables, ladders, and chairs everywhere. Oh, my. And, a, and as we said, a gigantic rope as well. Um, but the things I want to talk about this match have more to do with something close to the finish. Okay. And that was, at a certain point, and people have speculated where it was, Kyrie Sane, Kyrie Sane took some sort of bad bump and was not okay for the end of this match. It was when she was hucking chairs into the ring and one hit the ring and came right back. And it, it was a little off camera, but there was a replay they showed where you could see she, she took a chair shot to herself, basically. It bounced uh, back at her. And she was going down to get another chair to start throwing it, and it came right back down and like hit her right in the forehead. Was that what it was? I, I, thought, so. it was the, I thought it was the missed... Um, there was the one point where Charlotte and Becky were both on the table on the outside. She tried to go for the insane elbow onto the table and kind of like half missed and came down and clocked herself on the side of the table. May have been. It may have been multiple. It wasn't apparent until Charlotte uh, gave tried her that to, do- dog shit to- spear on the outside and then tried to pick her up and powerbomb her, and she couldn't even pull herself up in the yeah. powerbomb. And Charlotte still powerbombed her through a table. And I'm going, maybe do something else. <laughs> So this is this is where the controversy comes in. Yeah. Is when Charlotte went to spear her, uh, at that point I think is when we all realized Kyrie wasn't okay because yep. it wasn't that Charlotte did the spear wrong. It was that Kyrie just didn't she didn't sell it. She didn't take it at all. She I wouldn't even call it sandbagging. She just kind of stood there and was like, What? And Charlotte had to push her down on the ground and then just swatted her in the face, which a lot of people got pissed at that Charlotte did that. They thought it was uh, Charlotte giving a receipt for a botched move. Whereas to me, I read it as Charlotte had to give a reason for Kyrie to be like she knew the spear didn't go over well. That's so the way she I had took to. It. She had to throw a shot to give Kyrie a reason to stay down. I didn't take it as an I insulting slap. I took it no. as a thinking on your feet. What do I do? Get stay down. down. Yeah, yeah, stay down, Kyrie. Like I mean, I gotta, I gotta go set up this table. If um, I find out she friggin' slapped Kyrie Sane for botching a move like that, just hard in the face, I'm gonna be pissed. The anti-Charlotte. But I don't. I, don't, was, I want to give Charlotte the benefit of the doubt in that in that respect. I yeah. don't think she just cold cocked her for no reason. No, and she. I mean, she's kind of, she winged her. She wasn't even like a, a really yeah. big slap. Um, but the anti-Charlotte league was definitely out in force on Twitter, <laughs> saying she was dangerous and you know was mean and uh, how dare you hit Kyrie like that? Oh, it's so unsafe. Give me a freaking break. Um, the bottom line is is that Charlotte. I don't think at that point realized that Kyrie was a mess. I don't. I think she probably realized halfway up into the power bomb. That Kyrie wasn't okay, and it wasn't until Becky really started taking care of Kyrie at the end of the match that they took Kyrie out of the equation and stopped letting. Like you'll notice when they got back in, and Oscar and Kyrie were setting up the, the ladder at the end of the match. I mean, Kyrie was Oscar was barking orders at Kyrie, and Kyrie was just like, "Okay, what? Yeah, I'm just going to do whatever you tell me to do." And then at a, at a certain point, when uh, Charlotte and Becky come in with chairs, they both go straight for Oscar and and intentionally whiff on Kyrie a couple of times. It looked like crap. But they had to to prevent her from getting more injured. And then on the outside, Becky basically fed 
Kyrie at one point where she, you know, had her bent over and had her head in her hair and essentially told her, you know, I'm going to come at you with a chair. I'm going to miss, like, take over. And uh, then they both laid out there, I guess, a fan. I saw a fan video where Becky was actually rolling Kyrie under the ring to keep her out of harm's way. So Becky took over and took care of Kyrie uh, while Charlotte there was and Oscar- even a- there was even a spot where Becky and Oscar uh, were in the middle of the ring. I think they had come down off a ladder or something like that, and you could see them kind of hot shot the match there at the end of like what was going, what was what to and do. And that was well, that was and that was after Oscar uh, took Charlotte out, where yeah. she like Charlotte had there's a table on the outside. She super power bombed Charlotte onto a table on the outside, which was another gnarly bump. Beautiful, gnarly bump. Um, but then the yeah, the end of the match, Oscar ends up disposing everybody and grabs the title for the win. The real, which of course, great, awesome, back-to-back TLC wins for Oscar. For the yep, record, Oscar's another big win. Um, I'm, I'm very happy that the Kabuki Warriors retained here. I was again being negative. I thought they were going to strap Becky and Charlotte. I'm glad they didn't, and I'm glad that they're pivoting the way that they are with this feud. But the big question here is, why didn't the referees know that Kyrie was not okay? Why didn't they do something with it? What, what was? What went down that Kyrie was not more protected in this match? Yeah. Because that was pretty obviously some sort of head trauma. She was not okay at a certain point. It took a while for everyone to realize that. And once it was realized, why was there not more done? Yeah. I guess it's the question everyone's having. Yeah. And, and I don't know. We're, what did, we're, what did we're not going to know unless somebody comes out and says, here's what went down. So... Uh, we we can all sit here and speculate it to death uh, when it happened, why Charlotte acted the way she did, all blah 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 blah. But I mean, take all of it with a grain of salt. None of us were there. None, None of us, us were there were in, the, in Becky's ear or, or hear, having hearing any of the conversation. So sure. And also, it's up to Kyrie to communicate with the referees. And if Becky and Charlotte didn't know until you know after the spear and the power bomb, um, and Kyrie's not communicating to the referees that she's not okay, uh, it is on the refs to to see that she's not okay, but I, you and I didn't see, none of us saw that she wasn't okay until she started, until she botched that spear. That's, that's yeah. what I think everyone noticed it. Yeah. But I guess the criticism that's coming down on WWE right now is why wasn't there, like in a match like this, where it's so dangerous and there's so many high spots going on, why weren't they getting checked up on more? Uh, where, where did the communication breakdown happen? Is I think what everyone's asking. Yeah. Um, and I think to get like you know the pitchforks and the torches on this at this point is wildly premature and uninformed. We don't have all the information here. It could have been that Kyrie waved off the referee. It could have been that um, you know, there could have been a number of things that prevented her from getting the proper care when it should have happened. I agree, but, and I and I think you know all things considered, I think there was a big finish plan for this match. Um, if if Nick were booking this, it would have been a thing where. Um, Oscar's about to get the titles. Becky or Charlotte runs up to the top uh, to stop her from doing it. You get a missed spot where they fall off backwards, and then they retain that way. I, I think that would have been a really badass finish. You know, a missed spot yeah. off the top of the ladder down onto a table or something. They could. Um, there's definitely a they. Sh- they could have and probably should have done a call on the fly where Oscar beat both Becky and Charlotte. Um, and as you said, they could have done that in a way that protected everybody involved on the fly had they had time, but it seemed like this happened so close to the end of the match that they just went for the finish the way that they did. Right. Um, so I don't know at the end of the day, like I'm until I hear more about what really happened, Nick, I'm not going to be too mad about this. 
No. Um, um, yeah, I you know there's there's the Kyrie stuff to talk about. I I the only question I have is uh, going back to why in the hell Charlotte and Becky are tagging now, and and we could sit here and. Do you feel like they're done? Do you feel like this was it? Like it was a one and done kind of thing? God, I hope so. But unfortunately, <laughs> I, I don't I don't think so. I, ultimately, does it I my my biggest hope was that it turned back into Becky and Charlotte not being on the same page, somehow breaking down and we we need a resurgence of the man. The man has been kind of meh for 3 or 4 months. We it need that resurgence. Me, yeah. It felt so. to me like like Oscar and Becky we're having a little more of a thing in this match and Charlotte and Kyrie were having a little bit more of a thing in this match. It felt like they were yeah. pairing off to me. And if that's indicative that they're going to go have little feuds while the Kabuki Warriors are still the tag champs, I'm cool with that too. Yeah. Like I'd be all right with that, but uh, hopefully Kyrie is okay. It's not too much of a, she's not too banged up after this. And uh, at least it's also the end of the year. So you can give her some time off yeah. and hopefully she recovers quickly. But yes, Nick, you picked the winner here, but you didn't pick what happened afterwards. Because Asuka gets to the top of the thing, top of the ladder, picks off the championship, and yay, she's the champion. And oh my god, all of a sudden we got to turn the camera to the audience. There's a huge brawl going on. The locker room is emptied. Roman Reigns has found his buddies. All the good guys in the locker room, they're attacking all of Corbin's army. They're out in the crowd. It's madness, and we're going home. Black screen. <laughs> so, I suspect... God forbid we end a pay-per-view with anybody but friggin' Roman Reigns. Yeah, this, so this was uh, Dana Brooke even tweeted out like, why did they end the show with what the guys? What an insult slap in the face to the ladies. Or, and this is my take again, and it's the same thing with the KFC table earlier, is that they knew that the uh, the Kabuki Warriors winning would be unpopular with the crowd, and they didn't want to send the crowd home angry at a heel win at the end of a pay per view. So they ended it with a big brawl as a little hey, oh over here, a little distraction. And uh, Roman Reigns doing a big spear to Corbin off of a ledge onto the, the crowd of wrestlers as a big spot to pop the crowd and send them home happy. That's how I read it. Not as disrespect to the women, but as a way to send the crowd home happy who are going to be mad at the heels winning. That's how I read it. How many pay-per-views has Brock Lesnar main evented in one where they've sent people home frustrated? I don't, I don't think that's even a thing. You know, I, I think it's it's a it's a poking in the in the eye <laughs> oh, we're gonna make Brock Lesnar win we're gonna have the heels win we're gonna have the bad guys win I, I don't I don't know if that's even a thing but oh Roman Reigns oh we gotta we got have Roman Reigns at the end of a pay-per-view we can't have anybody but Roman Reigns close the show out that's there's an the element of that it. there's an element of that I agree but I think that they're really still gun shy about the reaction of the crowds afterwards after Helena Stell especially I think they're trying to go on a run of pay-per-views yeah. people leave happy I really Fair. do I I I the feeling I got from Survivor Series and this is close of the big moment that everyone's going to be happy about. And the crowd's going to go home and be like, well, that had its ups and downs, but at least I feel good right now. And I'm not leaving going, man, screw WWE. I can't believe this shit. This is bull crap, man. With all Ugh. that said, I would have closed out with Miz and Bray and had the Daniel, Daniel Bryan reveal, yes, chance, closing the show out. You know? It might not have been a bad idea either. Been better. But well, yeah. you see Roman do some high spot spear off of a thing into a group a, of 100 dudes. Why weren't dudes? the women main eventing? That's disrespect to the women. Exactly, they right. There's no, you can't win. We'll never be happy we're wrestling fans. <laughs> Hashtag murder, 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 murder. We'll never be happy about anything. <laughs> At the end of the day, not the best pay-per-view of the year, but I'm going to say this right now. I don't think it was the worst. I, there were some bright spots here. It was... 
the, the thing that it suffered the most from was that it was very slight. It was a very slight pay-per-view. There was not a lot to it. If that Bray, uh, Bray Wyatt bit had not been on this show, it would have been a disaster. That's the one thing to me that saved this entire thing. There, uh, there was nothing else significant that, that took place other than that. This was better than Backlash. It was better than Crown Jewel. Better better than both of the, uh, the Saudi shows. I'm trying to think of what else it was better. Better than Hell in a Cell. Um, sure. This was, better than, this was better than a few pay-per-views. Like, it's not the worst pay-per-view of the year. No, it's not the worst. But it's, it's one and, Bray Wyatt saving the pay-per-view segment away from being in that Dude, top and it's better than a lot of the pay-per-views worst. in 2017. Do you remember how bad 2017's pay-per-views were? Yes. Like, this oh, is God. better than a lot of those. So, Do you guys know how hard it was to be a podcast in 2017? <laughs> Outside of the G1. Which, it was hard to be a positive podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Jinder Mahal was your WWE champion. Oh my Let lord! Let that sink in for a minute. Yeah, this compared to that, this was. I thought this was very watchable. I wasn't coming off this pay per view going that was the great. I came off this going, all right, cool. I'm I'm not mad. I watched this. I was Did mad. I watched some other pay per views this year. This, sure, I wasn't mad at. I wasn't this, mad. This I wasn't this wasn't backlash bad. Two things I wanted to close out talking about here: some newsy type stuff. Um, what's the deal with having a major pay per view? Where n- n- only the tag team titles are defended. Why don't why why are we not doing anything with Shinsuke and the Intercontinental Title after all the work Miz did for two plus years to get it back into relevance again? After s- somehow wandering off like it's doing now all over again, uh, the U.S. Championship we know is getting some some love again, uh, but nothing here. Right? We didn't have anything with like Ray or AJ or Ricochet mm-hmm. or anybody. Right? Yeah coming yeah. in for a U.S. title match. Did we have room for it with all the other stuff that was going on? I'm going to say no because we would mm-hmm. end up with a five-hour pay-per-view. Um, but, yeah, th- that was one. The second thing was uh, there's some scuttlebutt out there that uh, – and I, I, I'm, I, this isn't a confirmed source or anything, but Vince and Triple H – Weren't even there. Weren't there. That's confirmed. They were not there. They were not okay. in the building. They were, they were – um, they uh, Skyped in – they teleconferenced in, had a meeting with everyone before the show. Paul Heyman was actually running the show. Um, and from what I understand, did not get entirely favorable reviews, but uh, also was not, you know, it wasn't a disaster. But um, yeah, so that was the deal. The other issue is, is that this show was booked within the last week and a half. Yeah. And not because that's when they started showing it on TV. That's literally when Vince started making up his mind what he wanted to have at this show. So, you know, that's we're in the middle of it. We can't. It was too early to have the Seth and Ray match. It would have been uh, rushing it. Brock is on his holiday break, so we can't have a Universal title match or, or a WWE title match because God forbid that man work two pay per views in a row. Uh, what as you said, Shinsuke. They didn't have anything for him. Braun Strowman's injured, and so they couldn't have that match, which they were supposed to have for this show. So they were supposed to have an IC title match. Um, so yeah, well, I mean, Braun Strowman is supposed to be in a feud with Shinsuke. For, that's what I'm saying. But they couldn't. Uh, yeah. he, he's he's injured, so they couldn't yeah. have that match. That was supposed to be a match at the show. They couldn't have that. So that's why there wasn't the Intercontinental Title. WWE titles out with Brock. Universal Title was there, but there wasn't. It wasn't for the title. Yeah. So I hope they re- know, re- re- uh, revive that when he comes back because I'm he's long overdue for a you know a good title reign, not something with a 12 year old. 
Yeah. That being said, it is that time of year, Nick. So I, I don't think we can expect much more. Yeah. Uh, that being said, that wraps it up for our TLC recap. We're going back to back here, Nick. We are live on YouTube right now. You can actually join us on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash lead forward slash BWO for our live shows. That's We're not be coming- it. That's wrong. What is it? What is it? Now, it's youtube.com slash busted wide open. That's what I meant to say. Yes. Uh, you can join us there. Thank <laughs> God I have you on this show, Nick. I'm lost when it comes to technology. Um, but yes, come join us there because we're having another show after this where we re we re we re we re we re Sasha Banks where we recap Raw, the TLC Fallout show. Uh, so come back and join us right there in just a few minutes, uh, and that'll do it for this recap, Mr. Nick. Yes, indeed. Guys, come over and join us in Facebook. Just uh, search for Busted Wide Open on Facebook. Like our page. Send us a join request. Get in the group. It's where all the magic happens. It is the hub of our operation. And make sure you also find the link at the top in the announcements for the Discord server to get in there for live chats across all of the shows throughout the week. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. We'd love to have your follows over there. Uh, and as Sarian said, you can find us streaming live here every Tuesday at 8 p.m. and every YouTube.com forward slash busted wide open. YouTube.com. There we go. I finally got it. I finally got it. I blame this this almanac uh, coffee stout that I'm having. It's nine yeah. percent, and apparently it's got a lot more coffee than I anticipated because my no more my coffee jaw, for you. <laughs> my jaw is about as tight as Sid's justice in 1993. Last but certainly not least, thanks to all of our patrons. You guys rock. Uh, if you guys want to get in on some of that, such as the ability to ask listener questions at just the $5 tier for our patron mailbag AMA questions episode that we do every yeah. Saturday afternoons, make sure you head over to patreon.com slash BWO and sign up for one of those tiers. You just got to get in the $5 a month tier to ask your questions every single week. It's awesome. Ask any of them. They'll tell you they enjoy it. We, it's one of our favorite things to do is ask the answer those questions that they send in because a lot of them turn into bonus episodes. No joke. So That's true. Thank you guys for joining us for this recap of TLC 2019. My name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.